0: All right, Alexander, it has been some time since we have uh, taken a look at the Russian economy and all the talk in and around the Russian economy is focused on the ruble. The ruble has hit 81, 82 to the dollar, and uh, there's a lot of discussion, analysis, panic from some people. Some people are cheering in the collective West See, You see, all it needed was a year and three, four months since the ruble is finally turning into rubble. How do you see things with, uh, with the ruble? I, I'll just tell you that when I was in Moscow in 2018, say 18, 19, I remember the ruble was at like around 80 to the dollar and it wasn't a big deal. Actually, I think the Russian government was, act, was very happy to have the ruble. Yes. At that range. Yes. Anyway,
1: yes. it is at
0: 81 yes. or 82 or something like that. So what's, yes. what's your take yes. on
1: this? Yes. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is a completely uh, again, we, we constantly come up in Russia with these um, absolutely false or at or least completely misconceived misunderstandings about things now. There's actually a, a good article about the ruble a couple of weeks ago in the Financial Times, of all places, in which they pointed out that what is now happening with the ruble is that Russia has effectively got capital controls. So you can't dash off in a Russian bank, convert all your rubles into dollars, and you can't have a run on the ruble, like of the kind that you had briefly um, at the start of last year when you know there was the uh, February sanctions and all of those kind of things so the ruble rate today entirely reflects trade flows it is purely about trade flows now what we've seen over the last couple of months is that on the one hand um, export revenues have fallen because of the fall in the price of oil there was a decline in the price of oil over the winter so that was one factor that caused the ruble to soften. And then there's been another factor that's also caused the ruble to soften. And that is, and now this is indisputable, um, the finance minister, siluanov was talking about this just on the eve of the Christmas New Year period, but now it's now apparently gaining strength. The other factor is a rise in imports caused by a recovery in demand, and an increase in production. And most of those imports, by the way, are coming from all kinds of places now, from China, from uh, the global south, from India, some still from Europe, by the way. Uh, So the decline in in the ruble is doing two things. Firstly, it is insulating the budget from falls in oil prices. So when oil prices fall, Russia is able to sell its oil um, and receive payments in foreign currencies, previously the dollar, now increasingly the Chinese RMB, the Indian rupee, those sort of currencies. And then when it converts those foreign currencies into rubles, which is what it actually spends its money on in Russia, it gets more rubles for the amount of foreign currency it earns through its oil price sales than it might otherwise do if the ruble had remained if the ruble had been remained strong so since that money eventually flows to the budget that protects the russian budget and it keeps the russian economy in total liquid so some economists some refer to this as a dirty float. In other words, Russia just allowing the ruble to go up and down in terms of oil price flows. And, of course, in terms of imports, again, since imports have to be paid for in foreign currencies, rupees, RMB and the rest, again, you have to sell rubles, buy those currencies, in order to buy those products. Again, the Russian central bank and the Russian government would rather the ruble fell in that kind of situation, making some of those imports more pricey, because what it wants to do is encourage domestic production. So at the same time, it provides some degree of protection for the domestic Russian economy, which the Russians are very, very keen to see uh, um, expanding. And it, it, it works. It, it does have precisely that sort of effect. Now, oil prices are strengthening. OPEC Plus has cut oil production. There's talk about oil prices rising to $100 a barrel by the end of this year. If that happens, then over the second half of the year, we will see the ruble strengthen again. And that's what the Russian Finance Minister is predicting. So this ruble story... It is, as I said, a misunderstanding. It is not a crisis. It is simply the Russian government operating a floating exchange rate, giving itself the flexibility that gives. And That's been something the Russians have been doing ever since the autumn of 2014. This is absolutely standard. There is absolutely nothing unusual about it. There is a lot of economic news coming out of Russia now inflation is below four percent on an annualized basis um it's funny how people you know talk about the rate of the ruble and they're not looking at prices inside russia itself which is really you know as far as what russians are concerned that's what really matters so prices are now below four percent rising at an annualized level below four percent remember um Interest rates are above that. I believe that they're either at seven and a half or eight and a half percent. So, if you keep your money in the bank, you are getting more. You're getting more money. Your 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 rubles are strengthening. You're getting more rubles than prices are rising. So, actually, monetary conditions in Russia are actually quite tight at the moment. Um, there's more indications now that after a sort of slow period. Um, At the start of the year, industrial production is rising again. Demand is rising because real wages and real incomes are rising. There's more disposable uh, earnings. That's one of the reasons, as I said, why the ruble has softened. There is one thing that is something of a mystery to me and which I don't fully understand. And that is this which is that if you remember back in January, there was again a lot of excitement because in January the Russian government ran a budget deficit of $25 billion. Then in February, the Russian government ran a budget deficit of $10 billion. Now, they're saying that for the entirety of the first quarter, the budget deficit came to $29 billion dollars which would imply mathematically that there must have been a surplus a budget surplus in March now I'm not quite sure about this because I haven't seen the full pick full you know a breakdown of the budget figures but it could be that one of the reasons if that is indeed what's happened that one of the reasons is because the softening of the ruble has had its effect, or is having its effect, and it's causing budget the budget position to strengthen. But you know, I, I, I'm going to keep back from giving a conclusive view, because uh, as I said, I don't pretend I fully understand what happened to the Russian budget in March, but in the long term, it really doesn't matter, because overall, uh, the Russian budget is strong. And Russian um reserves, financial reserves, are around six hundred billion dollars. Which is about the same as what they were, by the way, when the sanctions
0: were first imposed. Yeah. And, and do you have any news on the on the seizing of Russian uh reserves? Has there been an update there? Because yeah. no, last I remember really... was they they were looking for three hundred billion, but they could only identify thirty billion, the EU. That's right,
1: I did. Yeah. Uh there 's been no, there 's been nothing appa- no update on that, and I think that thirty billion is all that they 're ever going to find that That is my own straightforward view about this. I think that the central bank had obviously taken precautions in in advance they 'd protected their reserves i 'm not going to try and speculate about how it was done, but clearly reserves were transferred into third party hands probably before. The uh, sanctions were imposed, and I'm sure that they've all found their way to Shanghai and Hong Kong and <laughs> all those sort of places, and no doubt into Russia itself, and probably they've also been converted into gold. By the way, Russian gold reserves are apparently growing once more, and of course the gold price has been rising. Yeah, there was
0: a study, uh, actually I believe by a Russian uh, organization or a or think tank, or I forgot the organization that did this study. Yeah. But they said that uh, they expect Russia's growth to slow up until two thousand thirty-five to, to something like around one percent. Did you have, have you seen? Yeah, I've seen many yeah. of these things.
1: I, I don't think. I mean, I, to be straightforward about this, these predictions about growth up to twenty thirty-five. How can you make them? How can you ever know what the world will be like in 2035? <laughs> these are, these are, these are fan- fantasy things. Given the last year, you know, when the sanctions were imposed, most people, well, most people, most forecasters were predicting a Russian economic contraction in 2022 between 10 and 20%. The, the Russian Academy of Sciences,
0: The Russian—that's that's the group I found it now.
1: Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. I mean, so, I mean, you know, they come up with these, they come up with these predictions. But I, mean, I, I, I don't take them particularly seriously, because all kinds of things can change, all sorts of things can shift. Nobody can make predictions
0: going forward that far. I mean, that is impossible. Right. What, what do you make of the Bloomberg report that Russia has cut its, its oil production more than, uh, than was announced? What do you think is going on there? Do, do you buy into that Bloomberg report? Yeah,
1: I mean, the trouble with this is, again, we're getting lots of different and discrepant stories about oil production uh, in Russia. At the same time, I've been reading other reports that Russian exports of oil are at record levels. So who's to who's to say exactly what the problem, the, the, the actual thing is? But I would have guessed that, yes, maybe they have cut oil production, and perhaps they've cut it more than by the you know half a million barrels a day that they said they would. If so... I think this has been coordinated with OPEC plus in order to support oil prices. Again, that, that's all that this is, that one shouldn't look for more complicated explanations than that. I and mean, there are all kinds of studies about the Russian economy. I was reading about several in The Guardian yesterday in which the, you know, they were saying that all kinds of American academics have tried to claim that the recession in Russia was deeper and wider than you know the figures and that you must try and separate um you know spending on the military from that of the civilian economy i do not think we have anything like enough data to justify those sorts of claims and you know I, i think that given how little data we have even about the rates of military production trying to assess what's going on in the civilian economy is misconceived all we have are what the Russians themselves tell us, and they are talking about an industrial recovery, a return in demand, and abundant supplies in the shops. And every anecdotal account that we're getting from Russia is telling us the same thing. If there'd been a collapse in in production, or even a fall in production for civilian goods, at the same time that there's been a decline in imports, in conditions of improving demand, you would be expecting
0: you'd be expecting inflation to rise. In fact it's falling. yeah How, how do you explain then that the that the US or, or why is the U.S sending out these sanctions specialists to travel around the world now to enforce the sanctions? I mean it sounds to me like I mean I'm, I'm very confident this, the sanctions have failed. Russia no. appears to be in the clear. It's managed to weather the sanctions stor- storm. It's moved away from from the Western economic financial architecture, and it's it's charting its own course now. Yes. Yes. But the United States is still fixated, as is the EU. They're still fixated on trying to find ways to enforce the sanctions. In the belief that they're going to find the silver bullet that got away from them, the, this, this this a sanctions policy that somehow the Russians skirted, and by enforcing it, it'll lead to to some sort of downfall in the Russian economy. What I, I they have all these experts, the U.S. has all of these economic experts, financial experts. They must know what's, what what you're saying as well. That look, it's the, the sanctions failed, the economic war failed, Russia's yeah in the clear, for the most part, it's, it, it's, yeah. out, of the, it's out of the woods. So yeah. why are they wasting their time by sending these experts around to, to talk to countries and to try and close up the loopholes or figure out ways that they can toughen the sanctions in the belief that they might've missed something. We, we missed that, that something in, in trade with Turkey that allowed the Russians to, 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 uh, to avoid sanctions collapse. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't
1: make any kind of sense. And can I just say, I mean, in terms of trying to isolate the Russian economy, I mean, that has collapsed completely. I mean, if China will maintain its trade with with Russia, which is what Xi Jinping's trip to Moscow was all about, and if India is going to maintain its trade with Russia, which is what, you know, uh, we've seen with India, and if Japan is going to go on buying oil from Russia above the price gap, as they've also said, then, you know, you can go around to all these little countries. Well, not Turkey's not a little country, but you know, other countries. And it's not going to make any difference. But psychologically, if you're in Washington and you believe that, you know, you are the master of the universe or should be, then to admit that your sanctions blunderbuss, your, your big gun has misfired, is impossible. So if the sanctions are not working, it has to be because somebody somewhere in the West, because these are primarily in the West that it's happening, somebody somewhere is evading them. So you're going to sort of send people around the world, primarily to Europe, but also to Malaysia, to Singapore, to wherever, trying to get them, threaten them to enforce and apply these sanctions. And you're going to lose goodwill, you're going to anger an awful lot of people by doing it. But that's all you can do, because otherwise, admitting to yourself that this has failed is to admit that you are not the master of the universe anymore. And that is something that the United States cannot bring itself to do. By the way, I heard all of this happen way back in 2014. A friend of mine who was in Singapore at the time, this is back in 2014, mine, 2015, said that you know at that time already they were getting delegations from the Treasury, the the Treasury Department, telling them that they had to enforce the sanctions in Singapore. And the Singaporeans shrugged their shoulders and they said, look, we're not going to allow the Russians to circumvent the the sanctions in Singapore, your sanctions, but we're not going to apply any sanctions of our own. So there's nothing new about this. All
0: right. Okay, we will leave it there, theduran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute and Telegram. And go to the Durant shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.